it's like you have to be kind of at the top of the cast to get to the bottom rung of America. All right, hello everyone. Hey, hi. <laughs> Welcome back to another riveting week. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Today's episode, we're gonna talk about the caste system in India. And full disclaimer, um, we have limited knowledge on this subject. And a lot of what we might talk about um, is based on our own experience and the resources, resources that we've read. So by no means take, um, take this as like the encyclopedia definition of what the caste system is. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things, um, some different media that we've watched or read, um, like The White Tiger and Lust Stories on Netflix. Um, we're also going to talk about the farmers protests that happened in India or are still happening in India um, and kind of talk about like how caste it, um, plays out in those scenarios, how it's affected our, our lives, our relationships, um, and our relationship with our beautiful motherland, India. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I have the casts up just to like go through them um, and give you like a quick little overview as to like what the casts actually mean. So. The caste system is a system in India that has basically labeled people based on their ancestral line. And it's believed to originate from the occupation that these families did or what their role was in society. And it just carried on generationally. So there's five main castes and the top of the pyramid is- Cream of the crop. Yeah, the, the, one, the one you're trying to get to is the Brahmins, and they're considered the priests, the academics, the scholarly, you get it. Um, Kshatriyas, the warriors, and the, the protectors. Um, Vaishyas, which are merchants, land landowners. Um, Shudras, which are then servants and subordinates to Vaishyas, Kshatriyas, and Brahmins. Um, and then below that, you have the untouchables or Dalits. Um, and this is out of caste. So they're, I guess they're not even considered in the caste system. They're like below. And they are subordinates to all. They're cobblers, street sweepers, latrine cleaners. This is, I don't use the word latrine generally. This is just on the internet. Um, and yeah, so this is the system that is implemented in India currently. I don't know if we are all willing to share our caste. I think like if we want to go around and do that and then say maybe our relationship to our own caste and get into that first question. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm fine with that because I feel like a lot of like of what I know about caste, I'm, what my experiences have been have been like directly tied to my caste um so it, back in india where we're part we're like rajputs and i think they're a part of like the kshatriya class like 
a lot of a lot of things. I don't know if Shimona is though. I'm not going to speak for her, but <laughs> like that's why my last name is Singh because we're a part of that specific cast. And historically, they were like warriors and kings would be Rajput in like northern India. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I didn't know. Is that a like you can assume someone that's saying is Rajput? Yeah, I I did some research on this, and Singh apparently has been adopted by so many different ethnic groups, um, and also like Punjabi, so, like Sardarjis. So over time, it's it's like covers a much broader expanse of people. But like Rajputs are usually Singhs, but Singhs are not usually Rajputs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, you nailed it. I'm also Rajput. Uh, oh, I think it's come up in terms of my relationship with being Rajput. Um, in America, it usually just comes up as a funny way, like a conversation, just like poking fun at like with other Indian Americans, like, oh, like what caste are you? Or like, oh, oh my God, Rajput, like, oh, you're a warrior, like whatever. And it doesn't like, it never came up in like a serious context, really. I, at least I can't think of any. Um, but then in India, I, the only time I remember things would come up in terms of uh like oh you're you're a Rajput like how can you not eat meat like that Rajputs are famous for like you know bringing back all the the gathered meat and the hunting and all that um and they're very usually like red-blooded like love hunting and fighting and all this stuff uh so I think that what what they've been known for and what they've done there a lot of ancestrally has been brought down to the way my family extended family like parties and eats and carries themselves like very vivaciously um but uh in terms of like feeling like we are part of a different cast than someone else that's only happened once when I noticed that uh like me and some other family members were all eating in this room I, I somebody related to us was living there um and then my sister and I noticed that there are these people who are eating outside and they're eating the same food as us. <clears throat> and then my sister asked my grandpa, like, why, why don't they just like come inside? There's plenty of space. And I think it was like really cold out. And he was like, Oh no, no. Like they don't eat with us. That's like, they're not like, I think I'm assuming like he didn't really have to elaborate. I think he kind of knew that we knew, or we should know that that that's just, they're not part of our social system, I guess. But that has kind of changed a lot. Um, like growing up, my mom, they, her dad is a doctor and he had this uh, like assistant that would also not be allowed to come in to the house. And it was kind of iffy, like what he was allowed to like touch and stuff. And then now like he like eats with my grandpa and then he'll like come over inside the house. So like they've loosened up a lot on that. But I remember that very vividly and being like, whoa, like that was, I, I felt like, othered but um in a very like gross privilegey way so yeah yeah it's, it's almost like someone of a different cast can leave a trace of something in your house that's like mm -hmm. undesirable but it's totally like human mate like it's a social construct mm -hmm. and I remember that day like when we were having dinner 
like talking to them and I could tell there is this very strong feeling from my family in India not so much like I don't think my immediate family cared but my family in India were kind of just like you need to stop like why are you talking to them like (laughs) you don't like don't associate with them so yeah but obviously for my sister and I were like what they're they're the same skin color like what (laughs) like there's so much we can talk about (laughs) but yeah anyways um so I also just did like a little quick like googling to add to the the original description um so I guess uh casts are also religion based not cultural ba- culture based so this is specifically for Hindus and so Punjabis um Muslims like people on the, the outskirts yeah Sikhs um they are not incorporated into the caste system so just throwing that wow out. I didn't know that yeah, I didn't know that either until I just googled it but yeah yeah, I swear I was listening to. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> my- why- oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. It was about the white tiger, but we're gonna cover that later. <laughs> so, um, so me and my family are considered Brahmins. Um, so we are priests and whatnot. And I think there's like a general misconception, and maybe this isn't like totally accurate, but just to my experience, is that like not just because you're of a higher caste doesn't necessarily mean that you have like a rich background. And I think maybe this is just more like a testament to just how poor like a lot of parts of India are in general, where if you're going to have money, you're, you're going to be in a higher caste probably. Um, but also if you are in a higher caste, doesn't mean that you come from money. Um, it's just might be easier to attain. But uh, my, my dad's side comes from like a much like a less privileged background like did not have that much money and my mom's side had like a like a you know middle class upper middle class maybe um and the only reason they were allowed to marry is because they were of the same caste so I think it's just very interesting like in terms of social dynamic because in the U.S. I think you have rich families who try to marry with other rich families it's like your the social hierarchy is directly linked to your income. Whereas for India and like Hindus, it's linked to this like arbitrary ancestral line. Um, So I think that's fascinating. And then in terms of growing up Brahmin here, I think it was also like similar to what Shimona was saying as like more of just like a curiosity, like joke thing and nothing like taken seriously at all. But um, I remember I have I have this friend and we were just hanging out and I was very little. I was like maybe 10. And um, I just like casually asked her like, oh, what cast are you from? And I she's like, oh, I don't know. Let me ask my dad. And she like runs through her dad, asks him, what cast are we? And he's like, who asked you? Why? Why, why are you talking about this? And it like became this weird like, because I, I guess it's like in our parents' generation, probably super taboo to discuss it, like even our parents, like between each other, um, which I could totally see. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I think for us, it's like a totally different, like, I don't know, we don't even address the caste system whatsoever. Whereas for them, like who you touch, who you talk to, it's like all very interconnected and still very prevalent. Yeah, and and for us, it's more of a choice whether or not we acknowledge it, like it doesn't really, determine our whole lives and our whole professions and like I had never 
noticed in America, like any differences among like me and my friends of different castes, like, for example, like you guys, I <laughs> relate way more to the Indian side of our identity than any caste like identification. But um, when I lived in Dallas, actually, the Indian community where we were a part of was like pretty much exclusive for Rajputs or Rajputs. Um, and and maybe it's because the Indian community there is just so big and like people can have the luxury of like segregating themselves based on like maybe where in India they're from or their caste. Um, and I just remember like even kids who were around our age, like my friend's older brother who was a couple of years older than us. He actually made a Facebook group that was saying like, Rajputs are like the supreme <laughs> leaders of the caste system. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was like white supremacy shit <laughs> for like <laughs> our caste. And I remember just thinking like, okay, I'm 10 years old, but even I can see like that's fucked up and <laughs> that just has no place here in like our modern world. But yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think it's also like, like how it's a little like hypocritical, I think, when we see like. I don't know, India being like, oh, don't be racist towards brown people, like towards white people, or like when, when you know, when white people are being racist to brown people. Um, but yet they still stand by the like hierarchy of the caste system where like you can't touch anyone who is considered like a Dali and you. And then when we did have servants come like in our houses in India, um, like, clean places and stuff it was always like we'll keep an eye on them they're gonna steal stuff like and it was just they were talked as like lesser people and literally like subhuman it was just really like all sorts of fucked up and I don't know the hypocrisy especially I think coming from like a Brahmin family you really see that like kind of elitist mentality um and even like like when someone holds the door for you they're like probably part of the servant class and no one says thank you like there's no sort of manners are out the door when you're dealing with someone in like subcasts very very fucked up yeah I never thought about that like how in India you don't really like say thank you to the person who's like yeah. like sweeping your floors and even like my my relatives especially on my mom's side like they had more money I guess so I don't I don't know if that affected it but they definitely had like domestic servants who like lived up their houses and it, like the, I remember they slept on the floor like the actual floor and like had a separate bathroom that was outside and it's almost like I don't know it, feel, it felt like modern day slavery in a way I don't know which it, I don't know if that's like an appropriate analogy but yeah I mean I think I think it basically is with how much they're getting paid it's not livable and it's not adequate compensation so it is a, a form of slavery I think yeah, even if it's not like exactly the same, like it's still like having someone live and working in those conditions just like isn't humane. And I feel like as a kid, I was kind of told to normalize it or like whether that was indirectly or directly, mm -hmm. like that, like this is just the way things are. And it is funny because like my, well, not funny. It's like sad. My, my parents don't question it. Like they don't, this is just a way of, how their way of life like this there's nothing wrong about it there's nothing weird about it this is just how it is yeah and I, I wonder like if they were to go I don't know 
like grow up in America like we did and go back but still like their their own parents and siblings like believed in it or or lived their lives by it like would they start to cr- be more critical of it I don't know yeah that's true actually yeah. I don't think I've ever had like an actual conversation with my mom about the caste system yeah same do you think you have Shimona I think I have but it wasn't productive in any way <laughs> like I, I think they know it's very messed up and they'll call out parts of it but at the same time it's like I don't know it's I guess it's similar to privilege where you're like we benefited we definitely benefited off of our place in the caste system like ancestrally so like what I don't know I guess like do you just feel guilty for the rest of your life for (laughs) like being in that position but then like they're not gonna go make it their life mission to destroy the caste system I don't know it's weird I don't think they care enough but they they do recognize that it's messed up yeah I think it's it's also just like addressing the privilege which I don't I mean I'm sure my parents would probably agree that from like a baseline point it's messed up but I don't think they actually acknowledge or like check their privilege at all so yeah it it reminds me a lot of white privilege and how uncomfortable that can be because it's like okay now that I've acknowledged this like what do I do with that yeah how do I like do like going forward change my behaviors to like reflect that I have privilege yeah yeah do you guys think there's any benefit to the caste system apart from being privileged I think it like makes people actually no I'm not gonna go there (laughs) I don't know if there's (laughs) benefits yeah I don't know I think it's um I feel like it's just it's like I mean maybe it's it's good in a it's not good but it's something that does link you ancestrally like I I know that my people come from priests and I probably would not have known that if there wasn't like a categorization of that um but other than that I don't see it being being very good at all yeah that's exactly how I feel like I think it's like badass that like I come from warriors and that we like yeah hunted things even though you know now as a as a modern day woman in America like I I hate hunting and (laughs) of animals but it's still cool that my ancestors did that (laughs) um and like even when I was a teenager and I would like argue a lot or or be kind of feisty like my parents would joke like oh yeah she's a Rajputani (laughs) like she's meant to fight (laughs) and so that was cute and then there's another like trope that um, Rajputs like always keep their promises. It kind of reminds me of like a Lancaster always repays his debts, you know? <laughs> like it's a it's from Game of Thrones. <laughs> quote. Yeah. So I but I don't know that that's kind of it though. I can't think of much good that it brings. Yeah. To the world. Yeah. There's a generally in like social psychology, I guess, is, would be the field. They've established that hierarchies are just innately like part of our species and part of like other species as well. And even if there was no caste system or like, let's say there wasn't um, slavery or, or there wasn't these social hierarchies, something else would have been there instead. Like there's 
humans just have the tendency to feel the need to organize in hierarchies like even in a room like you can sense like the power division or uh like who's getting more attention or like what's happening based off of maybe just like looks like we have a it's just like a natural inclination to want to divide people into categories and then it it some something about like it helps us understand how to function and how to respond to other people so like if somebody of some of some other category is reacting to me and I know what those people in the category are like and I can stereotype them it's like easier for me to judge them and like get whatever else I want done from them or like make sense of my behaviors or yeah, it's kind of like a way, it's comforting in the sense that we were talking about like, oh, you know that you're from a certain cast and you can kind of trace back your origins and know what what makes you you. But then, yeah, it's just interesting to think that these hierarchies, if not cast, it would have been something else. And actually, I just want to pull up a quote <laughs> that I already shared with both of you, but I think it's really, it, it kind of ties into, we also want to talk about how the caste system for India and there's how there's racial inequalities in the US and how basically at the end of the day, we're still devaluing people in different ways and just one's caste and one's color. So in the book, Sapiens, which I'm sure a lot of people know about, it was like a big pop culture history book for a few years. He said, race is very important to modern Americans, but was relatively insignificant to medieval Muslims. Caste was a matter of life and death in medieval India, whereas in modern Europe, it is practically non-existent. One hierarchy, however, has been of supreme importance in all known human societies, the hierarchy of gender. Gender is a race in which some of the runners compete only for the bronze medal. So I just, the last part is just kind of, sad and upsetting just as a woman but the beginning part where he's talking about like yeah like race is super important in america muslims don't really think about it um or like muslim countries we could say i guess but then caste it's like such a big deal in india and then like europe like no one thinks about caste so but each place still has its own way of dividing people whether that's however you know in whatever way they want to do it so i think that's partly us just being innately hierarchical hierarchical creatures and then also just a response to the history of that place so like maybe caste is a thing more so in India versus other countries because of how they were developed and how they were colonized and the way their their relationship is with each other and maybe more of their community eastern type of values like you know versus like something like caste wouldn't really ever come up in like middle eastern europe or something i'm sure that has something to do with it but i also think going off of what you're saying about how people like have this innate tendency to group people in hierarchies also kind of reflects uh how it how it gives you a sense of identity and i think when you label yourself in a in a group as let's say in high school you're i don't know athletic or whatever that then gives you kind of this identity to then fall into where, okay, maybe you don't have to be all that good at academic work. You'll excel, you know, in just sports and you can put all your shift, all your focus there. And it kind of, I think it helps us 
find out who we are, maybe even more importantly than finding out who someone else is. And I think that also kind of relates to how we behave based on our cast, like how we marry people who of the same cast. I mean, not us, but like our parents and generations before then, or how Brahmins become priests. So I, I feel like you can't be a priest if you're not a Brahmin. I don't know if that this is entirely true but um I'm pretty sure that like that that's like a necessity or something um and then yeah I mean like rulers with like Kshatriyas I I guess like government politics like that that's kind of where where they tend to be so I feel like it helps you figure out your own place in society yeah and like weirdly that reminds you of Dave Das like have you guys watched that recently I have a long time ago (laughs) Yeah, that's how I was too. Like, I'd only seen it as a little kid, but I rewatched it recently as an adult. And the storyline between the two leading ladies is pretty fascinating because one of the women, she's like a sex worker. She's like a notch girl. Um, And so she kind of occupies like a lower caste in society. And then um, there's Dave Das's like childhood sweetheart, like the other leading woman. um, And she comes from like a upper middle class caste. And like they're both in love with the same man and so it's kind of like an interesting study on like how his family treats the two two women like and I think a a recurring theme is that like the the sex worker like she doesn't have any any destiny like any karma like they're just like nothing for her in this life or in her next life um and then and so they they kind of use that against her and say that's a bad thing but then in her eyes she's like well I'm free like I don't have to deal with any karma I don't like I don't have to deal with like how my how I'll have to pay for these sins in my next life and that's like a form of freedom for me and so I it's interesting how like the hierarchy can be both like limiting and then also like extremely freeing like if you if you don't have any of those expectations placed on you, and I think the caste system is interesting because it has like that spiritual component to it as well. Like it's kind of different than like how race plays out in the U.S. I feel like it's not as based in like in religion or Hinduism, but it's really like what you did in your past life that allows you to be like born as a Brahmin in this life. And yeah, just thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, for sure. I also think that that's like kind of a like a shitty justification, though, that a lot of Indians use to treat like lower castes as um, like less than it's like, well, they kind of deserve it because of whatever they did in their past life. And it's like such a weird answer. And it's like, well, shouldn't you just not treat anyone shitty? I don't know. Or also, yeah, right. Yeah. Or even give them the opportunity to like redeem themselves instead of like only letting them clean shit off the streets. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's pretty limiting to, like, in at least in the U.S., we have the myth that, like, you can be anything you want as long as you work hard, even though that is, like, a total myth. Like, social mobility is, like, only for, you know, the people who have. Um, and so I I wonder, like, in India, I've, like, I've noticed this in Calcutta that, like, socialist movements and, like, labor movements are so wildly popular like you'll see like him hammers and sickles everywhere like super communist and I wonder if it's almost like a 
um, rebellion against the caste system. Like, you know, as workers, like this isn't just about our karma and like what you think we did wrong. Like we deserve equal treatment too. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just, it's a little ironic that like India calls itself the biggest democracy when they're like trapped in the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not a secular state. I was watching an Adam Ruins Everything episode on him ruining America. They were trying to figure out what America ranked in social mobility. And it ranked behind Pakistan. Oh, wow. Which, like, nothing against Pakistan. All our viewers, no hate. But, like, for America coming off as, like, this modern, democratic, pull yourself by the bootstraps, American dream, Western goals, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's kind of pathetic. And yeah, I basically debunked the whole thing and was like, there is little to no social mobility in America. You have to have money if you want to go anywhere. And you have to like basically get born into the privilege that you then want to benefit off of if you want to go anywhere. Yeah. Also, <laughs> just like shout out America low-key, like wreaked havoc in Pakistan too, like politically and with the late, yeah, within like 70s to 90s span. So it's America's fault that yep. there is also low social mobility in Pakistan. Stone Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Shout out to the British and what they did to well, South Asia. <laughs> Shout mm-hmm. out to yeah. the British. And Africa <laughs> and the Middle East and everywhere. God damn it. Bro. Yeah. Government. I won't say people. Mm-hmm. There's a video about this Indian man who went to the British, some British office and just basically tore apart using facts. And he was basically saying like where India would have been today if India, if they hadn't been colonized and how much India did uh, give back and calculating everything, how much the UK would owe, or I guess just England would owe India uh, in terms of pounds for all the damage they've done. It was, um, I could feel the the anger in his speech. Very well done. Yeah. And even like when I talk to my family about how they feel about British people there, it's just like seething anger. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this weird, like, I guess because, you know, white people kind of rule the like social media and like a lot of like what we strive to be also. It's, it's like a weird conflict where you're like oh I want Eurocentric mm-hmm. like beauty I want to match the Eurocentric beauty standard I want to like and it's, it's just like really funny because I was talking to my mom about like colorism and I, she was like oh like well what's wrong with like wanting light skin and I was like why do you think you want light skin like <laughs> where do you think this comes from and it's like the colonizers like just think about it yeah, and I, I wonder, like, how much of that is tied to the caste system, like, how the caste system and how, like, the British being in India kind of fed off each other, and, like, did they empower each other in a way? Because the British were saying, like, be more like these, like, light-skinned people, and the caste system was saying, like, you'll never be like these light-skinned people, but you should still worship them. So, yeah. You know, that's, like, a really good generalization of what happened. Yeah. <laughs> They also, I've noticed that in the caste system, like in terms of the positions people are, um, 
<clears throat> it's the people who are need to spend the least amount of time outside henceforth they're probably gonna be lighter skinned or higher up like mm-hmm. yeah. that is you get like the merchants the street cleaners all those people that are gonna be like selling outside taking care of me outside street sweepers they're obviously gonna have darker skin yeah just naturally you're gonna be in the sun all day and then they can only probably procreate with people who also have that darker skin so like then it just like sticks in that cast so I think that's also something that's a little bit of misconception because yeah people are like oh it's just like a coincidence that people with darker skin have tend to be like part of the the untouchables or whatnot but no it's kind of like it's just a cycle and it's just going to keep continuing because of the things the opportunities they get are not going to be one in like an office or like an air-conditioned space with like you know anything other than the sun yeah I think this is actually like a that's a standard for in like a a lot of different cultures like Victorian era like Britain or Euro European places they also were like tan skin is bad like it means you work outside yeah like farmers yeah so funny how that has changed now where yeah and now tan skin is like the ideal yeah (laughs) But it's weird. It's like you want to be tan. They want to be tan, but not too tan. You know, there's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like naturally colored people want to be light, and yeah. then naturally light skinned people want to be tan. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like that glowing, healthy tan. Like you're a white person who just lives by the beach all yeah. the time. You know, but not the kind of tan where you have to deal with racism. Right. Should we um get into the farmer's protest uh yeah that or the the lust stories white tiger stuff whatever you guys are feeling oh i did have a question shiani for you put um is industrially industrialization of modern form of caste oppression what did you mean by that so um i guess the way that i understood the farmer's protests is that the indian government really wants like farms in india to industrialize like at the same level that the U.S. is at, like, you know, factory farms, like, no regulations, Um, and I'm sure that that did screw over farmers, like, at the time when that was happening, and, like, now in India, like, farmers are laborers, um, and they're the ones who, like, make money from their own, like, personal farming, um, and, like, selling their own fruits and vegetables at, like, like markets like Subji Mundi's, not like these huge supermarket corporations. And so I, I think what I meant is like, is it like industrializing and taking away any kind of regulate regulation, like letting these huge corporations come in and control the all the like farms and produce, all that stuff in India, like that's ultimately like oppressing people who are of like the lowest like lower castes who are the ones like laboring for those or who are going to be screwed over the most yeah and I think maybe just like go over what exactly is going on with the farmers protests um did some googling before this uh but there's basically three laws that are that Modi who is the current prime minister is trying to implement and they involve allowing larger corporations to buy out produce from farms before they produce it and then being able to use that to then mass market and they're also implementing another law that allows to expand the range in which farmers can sell so that means they can then go online well so a third party would buy these produce then 
they can sell it through online sources and make giant grocery stores and yeah basically industrialize um and then they also so currently there's the mundi system which is it allows farmers at the beginning of the year to set a base market price for every for like a certain amount of types of produce um so that farmers will have to sell their produce with like a minimum price so they won't go broke um but when you have a third party corporation buying out these produce and then selling it for even cheaper at a grocery store people aren't going to buy from the local farmers they're going to go to the grocery store instead and then it's just this whole cycle of yeah like basically pushing out local farmers and uh people who like millions of people use this as their livelihood um so this is the gist of what they're protesting and they want to basically keep the mundi system they want that written out and they I think also are yeah trying to fight against corporations buying out um, bigger farms and things like that. Um, but also, I guess since between 95 and 2015, about 300,000 farmers completed suicide. And in 2019 alone, 10,000 farmers completed suicide. So yeah, and that's definitely just going to increase the more and more farmers are put out of business. And then I also recommended this show. And I think, yeah, Shivani, did you watch it? The Food Lore? Yeah, I, I didn't finish it, but I, I watched like over half of it. Yeah, so so that basic, there's this episode. Uh, it's the whole series is called Food Lore. And each episode is um, about something different, but like kind of centers on food. Um, and this episode, I think it was season one, episode four. Very good, highly recommend. And it's about this woman in Tamil Nadu where her father completed suicide um, and he was a farmer. A true story. Uh, honestly, it's probably fairly true just like because this is happening to millions of people, but I think it was more of like a depiction of what's going on to like a local person. Um, and she was forced to go work in the city because her mom needed a dowry for her little sister to get married. And also the dowry system, still oh. a thing in India. And also- Whole I, other episode. Yeah, right. And also I wanna say it's probably caste dependent too. Like you would wanna marry someone in your caste with like more money to like for the dowry. I don't know. Okay, anyways. Um, so she gets shipped off to go work in a major city and take care of um this like older man who has dementia and I also thought this was an awesome example of showing how Indians actually deal with mental health because I, no one really talks about like and I, especially in India where mental health problems things like dementia and like Alzheimer's these are I want to say even more prevalent in India than they are in America but they they kind of just ignore it they just like they're like oh yeah he's just getting old and like that's it and um, this woman was like the only one who basically knew how to take care of him and was like super sweet to him. And she ended up getting pregnant and by this guy who then married some other lady and she was basically just kind of screwed. And, but she was like, I, I wanna keep the baby. And so they fired her um, because like, you know, you're the help, you're not allowed to get pregnant and we can't, they're like, I can help you get rid of the baby but that's your only option. And they sent her back and the, okay, well, I guess I shouldn't ruin the ending, so, but yeah, but that was, but I thought it was just, like, a perfect description of 
what someone's life could be like, especially a woman's life could be like surrounding the farmers protests and issues. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's something that's not as talked about. Like obviously the protests deserve to be at the forefront of the conversation, but I I think like through like in the protests you, we've seen such an abuse of power like by the police in India, like especially how they take advantage of women and like I I feel like women so often just end up bearing the brunt of like civil conflicts like this and yeah. Yeah. And I think women always work the hardest and reap the like least amount of rewards, like especially when the money's going to the man and then has to sparse it out and like, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's not only like the physical labor that the women do, it's also like about emotional care. Like, and it kind of reminds me of less stories, like how, and it, or it's a very similar storyline in that she's like the help and starts an affair with the son of the family um, and she's also the one who like cooks for his whole like his parents and for him and and I feel like like cooking for someone and caring for someone is so intimate that like we shouldn't expect a like a worker in your house to do those things but yeah it's, it's considered like a womanly duty to do that yeah that's true and in terms of your other question like do it feels like these farmers' lives and their what they're protesting is is not being listened to, and perhaps that has to do with the level of their caste. And I think that was one of your questions: like, do laborers' lives matter in the eyes of the Indian government? Like, maybe if there was a different caste speaking up, the government would handle it differently. I don't know. Maybe that's a well, I think though like the government is like of higher castes so like I I feel like they're just working in their best interest generally so I don't even know if maybe they like an, a higher caste would speak out against any, anything because mm -hmm. they're the ones being catered to yeah it's in their best interest to not disturb the system yeah yeah it's not too different from the U.S. in that sense very true yeah I mean if you look at it like you know Reagan era uh, policies. Uh oh. bring up Reagan. For all all the listeners, I hate Ronald Reagan with a burning passion. That motherfucker. But, <laughs> that's too bad because I just I love him. I love the guy. You <laughs> <laughs> were signing off, but that's a scandal. <laughs> uh, but a shame. Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, so it was basically like his policies were to utter bullshit. Trickle down theory is full on garbage. And you can look this up from like non-biased economists and not like liberal Democrats, but it doesn't work. And it's just the rich helping the rich. Yeah. And I feel like it's our whole mindset for how we think about like welfare and social supports, like even today. And yeah. Actually. Shall we discuss the white tiger? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So yeah. I thought, um, we kind of brought up less stories already, but so there's a reason why I, I specifically not just less stories, but that one episode of less stories where she is like the servant is hooking up with her, I want to say master, but I guess that's the, that guy. Um, that in particular, I think I wanted to pull out and compare with white tiger because I was telling Jethro about this uh, 
you remember the rooster cage that he mentions in the white tiger like we're all either i guess like everybody who's a servant is part of it and as soon as you try to get out of the rooster cage like the basically the cage that's trapping you to forever be a servant um people are going to try to like stop you from doing that and you're most likely going to fail or it's just gonna be it's a like uphill battle and i noticed how a key difference between the white tiger and the servant in lust stories was like in white tiger he like cheated his way out of the cage basically um and then in lust stories i felt like the very end or that that movie that one short film the very end when she meets that other servant in the elevator like or outside of the elevator and she kind of just like looks at her and she sees how excited she is from this sari that her master got her um and she had this realization that this i'm stuck in this rooster cage like there's no getting out so the difference was like she stayed in it and well, assuming she stayed and but she kind of like realized about the cage but then in white tiger he got out of it does that make sense like i i feel like there was that similarity of like both of them realizing their position but then the white tiger he kind of like did something about it illegal but he did something about it do you want to maybe give like a synopsis on like what white tiger is about shivani (laughs) yeah sure so uh the white tiger is a book and a and recently a netflix movie um, and it's from the perspective of Balram Halwai and his last name Halwai. I think I'm saying that right. Um, basically, he comes from a cast of like sweet makers. And so his whole life, like his whole childhood, that's kind of what he's told and what he's so sure like he's going to grow up to be. And then um, when he's a kid and he's in school, he's super bright and he catches the attention. I think of like the relative of a zamindar, like a landowner. Um, and so he pulls him out of school and gives him a scholarship, I think, um, or something like that. Basically, he ends up working for the landowner and is like a servant to him. Um, and he basically like learns how to scheme. And I'm not, I'm not going to give away too much, but kind of like works his way up through the ranks of being a servant. And eventually... Um, he kills his master which I just gave away a plot point Um, (laughs) I mean I guess like this is it's fine if we ruin things otherwise it'll be difficult to like Mm -hmm. talk about it yeah I feel like that's a pretty major event that happens so yeah listeners you're gonna find out anyway Um, but yeah and and the whole book and the whole movie is a commentary on the caste system and like and rich people, um, how corrupt the whole like system, like socioeconomic class and caste system is, um, and how like his, um, or it's a, his commentary on like what Shimona said, thinking of it as like a chicken coop or a rooster coop where like you're watching the other chickens being slaughtered. Um, and you can either like realize you need to do something about that or you just like continue to watch them being killed in fr- right in front of you. And yeah. Yeah, and I think like his, his old point was like the only way you would be able to get out of, and maybe this is just an extreme like uh, takeaway from what he was saying, but the only way to get out of the system is by committing like a heinous act or like to go against nature itself. Yeah. 
I think it, that obviously, well, I don't know. I don't know how strong the rooster coop is, but that is definitely exaggerated to some extent, but for the purposes of the author getting the point across of how toxic these systems are, I think that was like needed to be done. Like something that extreme where you're like, whoa, it's, it's this bad, you know, more so than like, if he just like talked to his master and was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. And like, okay, well, we'll like fund your education. Like, that's not gonna people go, oh the castle is not that bad <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. So, I even like, then that oh. would require or like even if his master decided to like fund his education it's like wow the only reason he could get anywhere in life is because someone of a higher caste like allowed for that to happen and gave him permission you know it's not really freedom yeah. then that's true like then you're kind of just showing how the upper caste is good in that way like they're paving the road for lower caste but in reality they're blocking it in many ways which is what Balram was trying to show yeah if anything I think it has like a direct correlation to like systematic oppression in America I mean if you look at even things like um equal opportunity and things like that you have it's like you have to to give people these opportunities in order to kind of shock this generational oppression into to pursue to you know lifting themselves up because it's you have once you have one person graduate from college and a family it kind of starts this chain reaction for generations after them but like the the entire system works against that and it works against people even being able to attain higher education in any way shape or form so I think it's, it's like a direct correlation, but it's just times like a thousand in India with the caste system. Yeah, I think you have to uproot the whole system really to see real progress. That's going to go beyond like the one family that had the college graduates, you know. Right, so do you all think that Balram's decision to kill Ashok was justified? based on like the oppression that he's faced his whole life Ooh. um i feel like saying murder is justified is uh i don't know mm-hmm. a hot take yeah. <laughs> 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 but at the same time i don't know i, I think if he was going to kill someone, he should have killed his master's brother, like the one that was actually mean to him consistently. But it was more of like, well, he wasn't his master at the end of the day. It was, it was, you know, that main guy. So, but I, I don't know if it justifies it. I think it was um, important for the way that the story ran that he killed him specifically I don't know if, yeah he maybe deserved it the most like given the the how bad the other characters were but I think it was it was like that that fake wokeness that this guy had where he like he was studying in America and then he came back and he was like oh the caste system is really fucked up we're gonna try and treat you better than like you're used to but then he still was unable to it was like he couldn't check his privilege it's like he knew he was privileged but he couldn't act against that privilege which I think is like actually like a very like that whole movie was a very good example of how like well you can understand something is wrong and that you're particularly privileged but then you can also do literally nothing about it which is exactly what this guy did so 
I, I think he needed to die to show that, or, and he needed to be the one to murder him to show that like inactive, I, I'm just gonna say wokeness because I don't know what other like adjective to use is equally as useless as being ignorant, if not worse, because you're actively knowing something is wrong and continuing to perpetuate it. Yeah, and, and there's the fact that he framed Balram for the murder of that child. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. another spoiler. <laughs> that was really the turning point, I'd say, for yeah. his anger. And he saw- yeah, like, Did you guys? I feel like in that, according to Balram, the murder was justified because of that moment. Like they were so quick to throw him under the bus and basically show that they have zero value for his life. And so he was like, well, why can't I like kill this person off and equally show like zero value for his life? So yeah, like we're equal human beings in that sense. Like we can be equally shitty to each other. Right. No. Did you guys see parallels to Parasite at all? Especially with like the murder of that master? Yeah. (laughs) It was often it was called like the Indian Parasite. But I mean that doesn't really make sense because the book came out like way before the movie. So (laughs) but Parasite is the Indian white tiger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although I have to say, in terms of like engagement as a movie like just in general and like entertainment value I thought Parasite was like way better than the white I just think like the white tiger in classic Bollywood fashion made the whole movie like it's like no one edits anything they're like this movie needs to be two and a half hours long for some fucking reason I don't even think it was Bollywood to be honest I think it was like a it's like an Israeli director oh it was oh but really Danish movie yeah, it's yeah. Just, like just take a couple editors to it. I mean, come on, there was no reason it needed to be that long. Yeah, and one thing I thought was interesting they didn't include in the movie was his fascination with American women. Like, he basically goes on like a long search to find like an American woman to have sex with, like in the book. Yeah. And it's it's really terrible, actually. He finds a woman who's a sex worker and she's like Russian, but like very white passing and there's like a I think he he like abuses her or like assaults her or some something awful and and I just thought it was odd they they chose to be like okay that didn't happen in the book like gonna not even mention that a little bit in the movie yeah and I, I wonder if that sounds kind of important I feel like to his character development I I feel like they like from what I didn't read the book but from what I'm hearing of like more snippets of the book and even Shimona was telling me like there were a lot more references to specific things that were maybe referenced once or twice in the movie I feel like the book is probably a way better read than like the movie would be yeah because I, I think you get all the like commentary on it too that in the movie it's just, it's just him like narrating which isn't as engaging sometimes but sorry yeah. Shimona you're gonna speak no, yeah, I have this entire memo on my phone. Oh, you can't see anything. Oh my god. I love- <laughs> now I can't. Oh my goodness. I mean, That's like a novel. Versus book. <laughs> like all the things I picked up while I was watching it. And one of the things was, yeah, like I mentioned to Jithra that the I felt like the movie kind of felt choppy because compared to the book, because in the book it was his internal dialogue that was keeping the story lubricated for lack of a better word mm-hmm. um Did but if like you <laughs> but if, i totally get what you mean though 
Yeah, but if you hadn't read the book, it didn't feel like that. And so much of his thoughts and the interesting things that I thought he picked out about like tearing apart Indian culture, caste system and that kind of stuff was all through his internal dialogue. And so it was kind of hard to show that. And then if you just kept talking about that in a movie, that's like, that's kind of slow and boring. Um, but also in the, in terms of like how he assaulted that woman and like they didn't even mention it. Uh, another thing that they didn't put in that I feel like, do you remember the scene? Uh, so yeah, when they ran over that child, Branko Chopra ran over that child and then in, they were just kind of like freaking out and shaking and then they both, the couple went to the back. Uh, in the book, Ashok, the husband, gagged his wife. Like she kept talking about it and was like, oh my God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is terrible. And then he ended up like taking like his like a cloth and like gagging her. And it was like a, it was like kind of a definitely like a violent thing. And they just didn't put that in the film, which I thought was interesting because they showed that scene. They just didn't act it out that way. And I felt like, like when I was reading the book, that added to Ashok's character so much in my head that like, he, this is something he would do to it. This is how he would treat a woman. Like he would, and his wife of, of all people. Um, but yeah, and then I feel like that was like a an element to his character that we just never got. And he came off as kind of just like this aloof, like nice guy. Uh, and then the same thing with Balram, like not including that he assaulted a woman was like, oh, it's like innocent. Oh, not innocent, but it, that also like removed a element from his character by not showing that. So it's just interesting how you can portray them when you read about them a certain way. And in my head, I was like, whoa, Ashok is like, he's assaulted somebody like just as much as like what Ram has and neither of those things were shown in the film so yeah and I feel like gender and caste is a really interesting like intersection because even within like a lower caste like a man is still gonna have more power over a woman mm -hmm. and like even though Balram was like at the bottom rung of the ladder of society like he still has that like gender power over yeah. like the women yeah and that's so that's a really good point where like even like we, we talk about, you know, your centering ideals being like, you know, romanticized and regardless of whether you're white or not. And the fact that he was able to assert and that maybe that's like what they were getting at is like, you know, because beyond the caste system, it's like, well, the white person is the most powerful and he was able to assert some sort of power over, but only because she was a woman. That's great. Yeah. Ashok also had a second girlfriend after Pinky left and they mentioned in the book and never brought it up in the movie he like had some old girl that he would like would see and then he like would go see her with Balram at night um and she was like kind of get, like she had some dialogue and she was part of the story too but they just like never brought her up so I guess if you watch the movie it just seems like he was this nice faithful husband that just like kept I don't know whatever <laughs> yeah and I I wonder if they intentionally did that so that like American audiences would have someone to relate to more. Like they, because oh. I feel like I'm the naive American who's like, yeah, everyone's equal. Like the caste system shouldn't be a thing. And even though I, I'm a super privileged person, like if I were to go to India, so. Yeah, I'm sure we yeah. reaped, you know, the benefits of our caste, like by even just being in America. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think it would even happen if we weren't of our cast true 
I was just saying this yesterday <laughs> that I like, do we feel like the caste system affects us now? And I was like, well, I, we're definitely where we, like, we've definitely gotten the opportunities to even come to this country because of our status in previous years and years and years ago, you know, like we wouldn't even have the chance to, for our ancestors to be educated, to then get to, to then educate their kids and educate their kids and then to, yeah, give them a life that they could pursue higher and higher things. And then that, you know, kind of butterfly effect into, into us being here. Mm. Yeah. True. And then, um, was, oh wait, go ahead. I was going to say, it's just weird because I feel like I have two narratives going in my head that we came to America as immigrants. Like we didn't have a lot of privilege like when we first got here but we've kind of built that up like since we arrived in America and then there's that other narrative playing in my head that's like wait like there were so many my mini privileges that led to this like current privileged life you know it's not just like it's not like our lives or like our whole family line just started from scratch once we got to America you know so sorry Chitra you were gonna say yeah that's true It's, it's like you have to be kind of at the top of the cast to get to the bottom rung of America Mm. um but yeah it's a little depressing (laughs) um but we can just uh, mic drop (laughs) (laughs) wow ends podcast um but there's also like a lot of just like to talk about colonization again um a lot of the missionaries targeted like untouchables and people of lower castes to because, you know, there's no caste system in Christianity, so that was their way out. So a lot of Christian Indians are probably, like, ancestrally linked back to just lower parts of the caste system, which might be, like, in, like a way out. We're just talking about ways out. Totally. And, yeah, I mean, if I were in their position and someone was like, hey, you can escape the caste system, you just have to change this religion that's been oppressive to you for your whole like ancestral line then like I would take that opportunity I'll be like I don't blame them maybe with some Jesus yeah that makes sense yeah I was wondering like how is it just a random like a lot of white religion within India yeah (laughs) classic colonization yeah although that might be one good thing from colonization if I have to but then you know the spreading of Christianity no 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 no. just just an out for lower castes Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you guys. <laughs> I am spiritual for those out there. I'm Hinduish, but mostly just a spiritual person. Yeah, I use Hinduism as like guideposts. Yeah. Oh, um, speaking of love stories, giving a little synopsis of that. So uh, for that one episode, I should really figure out what the name of that film was. But um, one of the four love stories was about this woman who is a servant. Did I already give a summary of this? I don't think I did. No, I think we gave a summary of... um, Yeah, okay. So it was a woman who was a servant... For this man and they were like cooking up um and I think she it didn't really show that it was like it was yeah it was just them two together and then all of a sudden he 
she walks into the house and she finds out that he's talking to this potential Rishta, potential relationship that his parents set up for him. And it was not, nothing was ever mentioned to her. Uh, and he, it kind of like showed a crack through a door of her, like peeking through, like him talking to the girl. And I think he, he kind of came off as like trying to pressure her, right? Of like just, just being kind of overly masculine <laughs> i don't know um yeah. and so and she was obviously heartbroken the servant i think it was it, she thought like maybe he was going to go somewhere um and it was very clear that guy was just kind of like this is just my way of like you're my way of like releasing sexual uh aggression i guess and then eventually she just goes back she goes outside and leaves for the day and then she meets another servant woman who uh, was like oh look what my master just gave me and it like shows the sari um, with like a small tear in it yeah. yeah and then the main servant girl just kind of looks at her and is like huh and smiles and then that was the moment where i was like oh, i think she realizes about the the chicken coop and how there's very little way out uh but i thought it was looking at your questions is there do you think there would have been a way for her to get out of the this situation uh, where maybe she isn't viewed in this manner? I don't think so. I think it would be quite hard. I mean, unless she like somehow starts, I don't know, like studying and trying to pursue a different path. Uh, I think it was just very much to me, it felt like that was a very realistic story, and that probably has happened many times before, and you can easily get away with it because people generally are going to think, like, yeah, obviously, you're the servant, like, you're not gonna, you don't really have much of a say in this, and then it's like, oh, well, he's a guy, he just, you know, boys will be boys, so... Yeah, they'll be so quick to, like, protect the person of the higher caste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think gender also played a big part because you were asking about like gender and caste intersection. Uh, definitely like her her being lower caste was an issue and probably a reason why he would never imagine himself with her. But the fact that she was also a woman probably made him feel like, oh, I know that if the fact that you've had sex before marriage means that you have to keep this to yourself. Like you can't tell anyone that this happened because the shame is going to be on the woman. So I can get away with this and uh, yeah. And then I can go marry whoever I want and be fine. So I think that probably had a huge Yeah. Yeah. And then also the fact that she like cooks food for his, like puts the food on the table for him and washes his clothes and does all these other things. It's almost like sex is another like household thing that he, he like uses her to take care of. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just like the irony that she does like the complete role of a wife down to like sex but yes. it's treated not like that just because we're cast that's so true yeah none of the benefits yeah mm-hmm. did we um hit hit all the points yeah good maybe we can end with something like that we're thankful for this week that happened this week you know like yeah. a personal thing or the past two weeks let's say because yeah because we do yeah. yeah true all right 
Shivani, are you thankful? <laughs> past two weeks, what, what are you most thankful about? Um, I'm thankful the weather's getting nicer. Definitely puts my mood in a better place. Um, and then I've been back at school the last couple of weeks. And so I think I'm, I'm thankful it's not as scary as I thought it would be and that I'm, I'm handling it, you know, taking mm-hmm. it as it comes. Yeah. Yes, sweet. Oh, that's right. You're in school. I can relate. Yeah. Not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the past two weeks, what I'm most grateful about, uh, I would say is the flexibility that I've been able to get from work-wise. I think it, it was pretty clear like when I was at in Connecticut as well in terms of like hours, but now the fact that I can kind of just like pack up and come to Portland for a little bit and check it out is with like little to no change in anything happening at work. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. And I'm very glad that I can do that. And I started to seize that ability. So yeah, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. Yeah, I love that. I have been thankful for similar on Shivani's boat. Um, So my master's classes have been like taken up and it's been like a lot of exams and homeworks and stuff. And everyone is so like, I mean, you definitely have some people in the class who are very like, like, you know, like a hob, not hob, Lord of the Ringsy with like my precious, all of my like coding shit. And um, then you have like another half of the class, um, all women, by the way, who like help each other out, hop on Zoom calls, like explain homeworks and like, just, it's like women helping each other out in engineering and I'm like instead of like being competitive and pitting each other against each other um and it's beautiful it's fucking beautiful and you would never see men doing this because they're all hoardy hoardy answers answers but women yeah they're trying to like own the chicken coop (laughs) yeah this is how we win how we world can I just say every single country with a female leader is like chilling right now covid wise new zealand germany yeah although angela Mer- angela merkel has her problems i get it but um yeah, yeah just like all these all these women-led countries are fucking murdering it and then we had fucking trump and now like a half dead biden <laughs> <laughs> but kamala auntie is gonna be our ruler pretty soon <laughs> it's my yeah right my we'll prediction for auntie to, to take take some charge all right and oh. that's a wrap love it yeah that was kind of like a tough one to discuss because I feel like I didn't want to say the wrong thing I don't know mm-hmm. being as like an upper caste person now I know how white people feel <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we needed like a parent in here like an Indian parent or yeah. something we like this is why the caste system is fantastic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, if anyone feels strongly about anything we've said, let us know. If we've offended you, we apologize. At 20 uh, listeners. I think yeah. We basically got all our information from Google <laughs> and <laughs> previous experiences. Yes. Life so, yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. We hope to not see you soon. <laughs> That would be cool if we could see. Hope to hear from you. Comment, like, share, do it all. All righty. (laughs) I love you. I love you guys.
I'm sending you kisses or hugs, whatever you want from afar. I want it all. <laughs> whatever you consent to. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Bye. 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 bye.